All right, um, so we are in our series, Nope, 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 Nope. Um, and last week we took uh, some, some requests about what we wanted to look at because a lot of times what we do is when we read Scripture, we'll come across a part of Scripture and we go, no, no, no what? No, no, no. And in our heart we're saying, nope, 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 nope. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And God wrote the Bible, who created Scripture, so that we could know Him better. Um, and as we jump in today, we're probably going to look at one of the hardest things to do, something that um, we will say nope to a lot. And uh, that was the question uh, that was thrown out last week. Why does God bless bad people? Why does God bless bad people? Um, and before we get into that, what does it mean to bless? What do, we, what do we think about when somebody's blessed? Things go their way. Things go their way, right, yeah. Go their way. They win the, the Powerball. <laughs> Three people. Yep, the lottery. Money, right? Money, yeah. What else? Success. Success, yeah. Health. Health. Family. I heard that. Can you finish it off quick? Family. Yeah. Family. Gifts or talents. What's that? Gifts or talents. Oh yeah. I'm envious of all of you guys all the time. Gifts. Talents. All I can do is ramble on. You guys can play instruments and stuff. So, what else? It's a pretty good list. Um, now, we've all had this question, why does God bless bad people? Why, why does God al allow them to grow or to succeed or, or whatever? Um, and, and so we look at it and we say, man, this is so unfair, right? It's just, it's not right. Uh, uh, it, and it's the wrong thing to do, almost. That's what we think. And, and the question is a good question, but how we imply the question, that's what, that's what really kind of we mean. It's like, why are you blessing those people, right? What, what is going on? So internally, when we see something where somebody is blessed, we say, nope. Nope. And so let me show you. Here's our first nope. Y'all ready? I'm throwing it up here. This is for you, Ashley. Go ahead and throw that first one up there. Watch this. Oh, no. Ah! <laughs> Justin said, ah! do it again. Do it again. <laughs> Play it again. Watch this. No. I mean, that's, that's our reaction. We're like, we're like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. I don't, and we struggle with this, this, this thing. This, we have this quandary, and we, we look at God, and we kind of wag our finger at God, but you know the old adage, you point at somebody, you got three pointed back at you, right? And so we're going to talk about this. Now, what does it mean to love somebody? What does it mean to love somebody? I think you want the best for them. Yeah. Put their needs and desires before yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> needs and desires. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
desires. Yep, you want the best. All right. What'd you say, Ashley? Accept them, um, even though despite their faults. Yep. Acceptance. That's what I love about our church. Is we all know our faults. We're close enough to know our faults, and uh, and we still love each other. Uh, I'm surprised y'all haven't run off because of my faults. So, what else? What 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 are some actions that show love? Patience. Patience. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Not murdering. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. You need a couch to stay on, bro? <laughs> I don't know how to even write that. <laughs> what else? So I said loading the dishwasher. Loading the dishwasher. Uh, so, Just yeah. leave it. Just leave it. So, that's a... That's a loader. Loading dishwasher. Yeah, the five love languages. Acts of service. Words of affirmation. Oh. Are we going to just name off the five love languages now? Yeah, pretty much. Words of affirmation. Okay. All right. Encouragement. Encouragement. Yeah. Encouragement. Since we're going that yeah. <laughs> Going by Kmart at 6 p.m. before the stoppers ball because someone was off all day and needed a black t-shirt. That's long. I'm not going to write that down. <laughs> what else? Uh, one you more? Can more? Write, you can write that letter in three letters. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Feeding. What's that? Cooking and feeding. Cooking, feeding. A lot of moms speaking up here tonight. Cooking, feeding. Okay. Now, let's take a look. Uh, yes. What about the First uh, Corinthians thirteen verse? Yeah, love the, the the one you hear at weddings all yeah. the time. Love is patient. Love is kind. Right. Yeah. I mean, all of those things are are actions in in that verse. You want to read that out loud? Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Yeah. So, y'all do all those things, okay? Make sure that you're always doing the, I mean, that list is hard, right? That's a hard list. To do and, and today, what I want to take take that list, and I want to focus it on our enemies. Already, the Bible talks about our enemies in, in three different ways. Basically, in the Old Testament, um, it talks about our enemies the way we like to think about our enemies. Um, that was dorky, wasn't it? there the whole time. Was that there the whole time? Man. So here's how the Old Testament talks about our enemies. It says, "I want." To love my neighbors and hate my enemies. And we can get on board with that, right? Because you look at David, David's praying, he's saying, God, take care of my enemies, show your power through Israel and all of this, and God comes and wipes out the enemies, right? We, we like that, right? Yeah. But then we come to the New Testament, and there's a couple of ways that 
it talks about our enemies. Jesus takes the way the Old Testament says and he flips it up on his head. And then Paul says, you don't have any enemies at all. So, uh, hang on, what? So let's take a look at these, at these two verses. Matthew 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. Matthew 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 43 through 48 says... You've heard it that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, so Jesus is taking a verse, it's Leviticus uh, 18, 19. Leviticus, or excuse me, Leviticus 19, 18. And that verse is, love your neighbor. But the hate your enemy part is not there. And it's added on. You know how people kind of just say things and maybe there's a little bit of biblical truth to it, but then... They're added on later. And it just shows that even in Jesus' day, people would read into Scripture instead of reading it for what it says, right? Love your neighbor and hate. So he says, you've heard that phrase, right? Then he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All right. Verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Oh, and this is where we read that and we say, nope, no, nope. Well, throw that next one up. Nope. I think I'll just walk. Anybody else scared of spiders and snakes like me? Is this just my phobia? Of course, the marine is not scared of me. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Millie. Appreciate that. Scared of spiders. Scared of spiders. All right. We don't like this phrase. We don't like what he's telling us to do here. But notice something here. This is very important. Notice that God equates the action of loving our enemies with being his children. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Mm, that's hard. Loving your enemies is hard. But Jesus says that this is an action that defines who we belong to. Verse, the last part of 45, it says this, He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. <laughs> and so when we read this verse, we've got all of these things that we see as blessings, but we actually need to take a step back and drop our level of understanding of what a blessing is. We tend to think that, that we're, we're wound up by God, right? And then we're kind of let go, and you know, when these things happen, they're blessings to us, but otherwise we're kind of doing our thing, and we're on our own, and then when the rubber band runs out, that's the end. Life's over, and we go to be with Him. That's just not the case. Now, let me do something kind of cheesy, okay? Y'all know me. I got a little cheese in me. Everybody take a deep breath. Ready? One, two, three. And let it out. One more time. God gave that to you. Both of those breaths, every breath you take, God gives those to you. Every heartbeat that you have, gives those to you. Every step that you take, He is giving those to you. He causes the sun to rise. He causes the earth to continue to spin, right? He causes the rain to come down to refresh us. He causes the cool air. By the way, this day is winter. Okay, for us in New Orleans, enjoy it because it's gone tomorrow, right? 
Um, these, these are blessings that He gives to us. And, and He gives those blessings to everyone, whether they're good or evil. And then we ask the question, why? Why? We need to understand that God's ultimate purpose is not about money or fame, but it's about every person coming to know Him as the Savior of their lives. And so when they die, they can spend an eternity with Him. That's why He blesses those who don't deserve it. And it's hard because when I see somebody and I'm like, oh, just a bad person, right? Every maybe politician that you see, just why are they so blessed, right? Why can't... I want to vote for a, a plumber from Shreveport that makes $40,000 a year. That's who I want to vote for, right? You know, that kind of, why, why are all these other people? It just drives me crazy sometimes. But he does it so that they can see how good he is. He blesses all of us. We are all blessed by God. But it's our choice as to whether we want to see those blessings or not. And so, for us as Christ followers, we need to recognize that our blessings are His fulfilled promises. Our blessings are His fulfilled promises. For those who follow Christ, He promises us in, in Matthew 6.33 that He's going to provide food and clothing and, and shelter. He's going to provide all of our needs for us. And that's a physical blessing. And so when we, when we look at and what Jesus is doing in our lives, we need to take into account all the little things. Now, one thing that Jesus never says that is ours is our own life. He never says or includes in the physical blessing our physical lives. That is His to do with what He wants. And there are, we live, a, we live a, as, you, as everybody says, a blessed life, right? But there are people in Iraq, Iran, Syria, who at this very moment know that their lives can be sacrificed because they follow Christ and somebody else doesn't like that. It is a very real reality all across the world. Indonesia. I mean, it is, it's amazing how we just kind of go about our day. And then there's the blessings that are mental and emotional and spiritual, God's blessings we, we get in all different areas of our lives, and they're very simple and they're very constant. And we need to give Him credit for those things. Verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? So, so Jesus is saying, look, everybody loves those just like them. Right? I mean, it's easy to love, it's easy to love Jerry. Me and Jerry are bros. Right? It's hard to love your enemy. <coughs> we even are called to love, we are called to love people that are not like us, that are different from us, that are opposite from us even. 
people we may hate down low, down deep inside of us. Why are we called to do that? Because we as Christ followers have a higher calling than the here and now. We are going to be used by God to point out to those people that they are blessed. Now you can't do it in an enemy type of way, right? You can't take scripture and be like, God's blessing you, you don't recognize. That's not love, right? We love them. We live to see people, no matter who they are, know Jesus. Verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, this, this one throws me for a loop. Every time I read it, and I have to kind of regain my bearings, I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble, because I'm not perfect. But that's not what he's saying. Don't, don't, he's not saying, don't go out and not make mistakes anymore. You're going to make mistakes. He's saying, imitate your heavenly Father. Imitate me. Jesus is saying, imitate me. Model me. Mimic me. And in this case, love your enemies just like Jesus loved his enemies. Just like Jesus who hung on a cross. Nope. Nope. <laughs> just like Jesus hung on a cross. Just like Jesus was up there and he's pierced by his enemies while he's there and then he prays for them. That's, that's loving your enemies. And then Paul fills in a little bit more of what Jesus is thinking here. Because Jesus is pretty much pointing out, you really don't have enemies. Ephesians 6, 10, and 12, through 12, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Who's our enemy there? It's the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You have no enemies except for the devil himself, except for him and his henchmen, and they are after us, and there is a spiritual war going on, and I can't explain it any more than that, but there's Scripture talks about it, it is crazy and weird stuff, but, but God is working and eventually He wins. He's already won with Christ, but even in the end, we have a home with Him in heaven. And so, you have no enemies except for the devil himself. Now, this is hard because when Jesus says love our enemies, that doesn't mean we smile back and say, it's okay, right? Turn the other cheek. All right, all right, here you go. That means we actively love them where they are at. That means we, well, it's gone now, but we do these things towards our enemies. We want what's best for them. We're patient with them. We accept them. We love them in ways that we normally only do with our friends and family. I'm with you guys. I, I think I'm with you guys. I don't like this. Right? And so, when we read this, again, we're thinking, we're thinking, nope. Right? No. I don't want this. I don't throw that on. Those are wasp nests. Y'all ever seen that on your window? Oh my goodness. How do you get rid of those? 
Tell my mom I loved her. Set your house on fire. <laughs> Set your house on fire. We are looking to do God's will because they're not our enemy. And God loves them just as much as he loves us. And he wants them to know him just as much as he wants us to know him. And if that person has the opportunity to know Jesus, they are not our enemy. Let me, um, let me close out with a kind of a, a longer story, I guess, longer than normal. When we first started the church uh, 10 years ago, is that 10? Over 10 years ago now, I guess. Um, I went to churches and to other pastors, and I, and I said, hey, can you help us start the church? And, and I fully expected them to say no, but maybe one out of 10, one out of 20 would say, yeah, we'd love to help. Here's some people, or here's a little bit of financing, or whatever. Um, but it was a horrible time. We planned, I mean, we planned the start of the church right after Katrina, right? And it was just, we'd go to a church, I'd go to a church, and they'd lost, everybody had lost half of their congregation. So they're struggling, and we're trying to start a church. It's like, I'm sitting here thinking, God, is this really what you're calling us to do? Because did you notice the hurricane, right? You know, do you notice the 20-foot piles, 20-foot uh, uh, tall piles of rubbish and debris? Um, and so I go, no, we can't help you. We'll pray for you. And that's as big as anything, because who controls our finances, who controls anything. So when they said, we'll pray for you, I thought, oh, that's great. We got somebody on board as a team partner, right? And I, I went to uh, a lot of the big churches, and, and one of them that I went to here in town, um, the guy talked to me, and then he asked me, he said, well, did you come down right after Katrina to help clean up? And I said, no, because we were at the time, my wife, my wife's born and raised here, um, but uh, we were living in Texas at the time. And uh, I said, no. Um, and he didn't ask why. He didn't know that we had just had a, a baby and we were, you know, saving up so we can move down here, right? I didn't want to spend a plane ticket, spend money on a plane ticket to come down to help for a week when we could spend money on a U-Haul to move everything down here to be here for the rest of our lives. Um, and I said, no, sorry. And he looked at me and he said, you're going to completely fail. And there was this long, 10-second pause. I was like, first I was like, did he just say that? No, I just heard that. Maybe that's just me, my subconscious. And he just stares at me for 10 seconds. And I was like, no, he said it. And I left after, you know, we kind of awkwardly talked for a little while longer and kind of walked out. And I got in my car and I was like, Wow. His goal was to completely demoralize me to stop. And it made me angry. It made me bitter. It made me mad. And then over the next three, four, five years, his church exploded. And I just thought, man, why, God, are you taking this arrogant guy Maybe he was just arrogant to me, but it was to me. Why is he growing and his ministry is blowing up and he's got all these buildings and we don't look at buildings or anything like that, but for some reason it was just getting to me, right? I was angry. I know God builds his kingdom in various ways and that's not even the direction we're trying to go. But 
made me mad. And at one point, I had kind of overcome all this and forgotten about it. It's no big deal. And um, an associate pastor of the same church called and said, hey, I'm trying to put together a, a network of planters and church planters and, and just kind of, you know, throw ideas out, see what works, see what doesn't. I thought, Man, that's a great idea. So I went and meet with him. And we're talking, he's like, have you ever met the pastor of our church? And I was like, yeah, we met, and it kind of didn't go all that well. I was trying to be as nice as possible, just brush over it, move on, you know, not, not that big of a deal. And he kept kind of poking and prodding, what happened? I said, well, he said we wouldn't succeed, and that kind of thing. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? Our pastor, he knows just what to say to motivate people. Two guys from the same church have talked to me for 20 minutes and they know how to motivate me. This guy, all he had to do was say, you know what, I'm sorry about that. Sometimes the pastor's a little brash. I probably would have gone, you know what, I've been, idiot, been an idiot for the last six years. So for the next, I don't know how long, 20 minutes, I'm sitting here talking to this guy and I'm like, oh, I just want to take the table, throw it, or throw it away and punch you in the face, right? It's just, ugh. <sighs> So I get in my car, or maybe it was a couple of days later, and it took me to calm down, I don't know. And I eventually just had to continue to look at Scripture and say, Jesus says, love my enemies. Paul says he's not my enemy. But I've created an enemy. I've made this guy my enemy. And now his little minions are my enemies too, right? <clears throat> At some point along the way, they became my enemies. And, and I looked at them and all their success. And then I looked at us and I said, well, we're not even taking a full paycheck from the church. What's, what's going on here? And these guys get to live high on the hog, right? This is old southern expression from whatever. And, and so I'm just, I'm just so angry. And God just kept saying, Jason, I pay all your bills. I take care of you in other ways. And as I look back on our church and our ministry, I see that I was believing a lie because these things are like the icing on the cake. But the everyday things are the things that he blesses us with. And he's blessed us. And he's blessed my family. I mean, y'all been to my house. It's, it's not a mansion, but it's no shack, right? And he provides all our needs, and, and not only that, but one of the things that I'm so thankful for, and for those of y'all visiting, you, can, you see it come out in our service, but I'm thankful for the depth of relationship that we have here, the family that we have here. Lee and I have never experienced that at any other church that I've been on staff at or that I've been a part of. And maybe this is wrong, and this is my arrogance, but I kind of look at his church and go, you ain't got that, bro. You ain't got, you got these things, but you ain't got this. Right? That's wrong, I know. We're not the flashy show, but I'll take the love and the respect that we have for each other over that stuff any day. And so several years back, um, I went to an event that was at this guy's church. And I wasn't angry anymore, not bitter anymore. Uh, and then we ran in, into each other in the hallway. 
right? And I don't think, I don't even know if he remembered me. Remember, this is my problem. This guy probably doesn't know me from Adam anymore. And I said, hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me. Um, and all of a sudden, those feelings start to swell up again. I remember what you said about me. We're still around. And I had to stop and go, Jesus says, love your enemy. Paul says he's not your enemy. And so I told him, I said, thanks for having me. I love this new building and, and that new building and, and that new building. And I love the Olympic-sized swimming. They don't have that. Um, you know, and I was just like, man, I said, it's really cool the way God is blessing you here. And I wanted to love him as best as I could in that moment. And it was just so freeing. And I don't, I don't harbor any of that stuff anymore. It's gone. It's amazing to see what God is doing in my heart. And so what, the reason I share that is because I want you to know that it's possible to let go of that stuff. But you have to love your enemy. Um, this is stupid and trivial, this whole story. What I was upset about, it's just dumb. But it wasn't dumb to me. It ate me up. And so I want you to know that God blesses bad people so that they have the opportunity to know him just like he blesses you so you can know him. This guy's not even bad, right? I don't think he was. Just tick me off. But I found some things out through this process. I learned that the Holy Spirit has taught me to have joy in God's blessings instead of sadness over what I don't have. I've learned that the Holy Spirit has taught me to be content instead of being jealous. Contentedness neutralizes jealousy and envy. I mean, just knocks it out. Jesus has taught me to have gratitude and thankfulness instead of being angry. And my Heavenly Father has taught me to celebrate His blessings on others instead of wishing condemnation. Love your enemies. That's what God calls us to do. It's hard, but when we do it, we directly identify with our Savior Jesus and we make him known to others. Let me pray for us. Father, this is hard. And we may be thinking of somebody in our, in our heart, in our mind right now, our enemy. But you say they're not our enemy. You say that we are to love them and care for them. We are to love them with action. So, Father, give us the strength, give us the humility, give us the courage that we need to do this so that we can see Paul's point of view, your point of view, that, that they are not our enemies at all. That the devil and his schemes are our enemy. So, Father, this is our prayer, and we ask this in Jesus, your holy name. Amen.